Hi, James Atkinson here, and thanks to Crymalt, this is Beer is a Conversation. In this episode, we catch up with Mike Nielsen, co-founder of New Zealand brewery Panhead Custom Ales. Originally a home brewer, Mike did his first commercial brewing stint at Tuatara Brewing Company prior to launching Panhead in 2013. Panhead grew rapidly off the back of a distinctive and acclaimed lineup of beers, bringing it to the attention of New Zealand's largest brewer, Lime, which acquired the company in 2016. With Mike, I discussed the decision to sell and subsequent developments at Panhead, which is now brewing some of its beers at Lyons Malt Shovel Brewery in Australia. Hope you enjoy the chat. Mike, thanks very much for having me uh, at Panhead. For those who don't know the Panhead story, um, when did you guys start and who, who, who else is behind Panhead other than yourself? So when we first started, it was uh, Panhead in 2013. It was uh, my wife and I and then uh, my parents jumped on for the ride as well. They um, invested a little bit of money um, with us to, you know, to kick the thing off. And um, what was the brewing ethos that you, you know, what were the beers that excited you prior to that point that you wanted to, to make when you started your own brewery? So when we started, we, it was more about getting uh, good beer in as many people's hands um, across, across everywhere, essentially. So that still hasn't changed from today. Um, we still go with that mantra, just really good beers um, of, of, you know, certain styles, so Pilsner, um, pale ales, IPAs, um, stouts, the whole shoe and caboodle had to be just perfect, well-balanced, well-made beer um, in more people's, more people's hands across, yeah, the country. And, yeah, I mean, in the last five years, the, the market for craft beer has really changed a lot. Um, Wellington's incredible. There's a lot of new breweries around. What, what's your feel for, for um, you know, the, the state of craft beer in Wellington at this stage? Oh, it's, it's amazing. I think when I first started brewing, there was we were the only brewery um, in Wellington. That was for another brewery that I was working in. Um, and then since then, there must be, so that was in two, 2010, there must be now, I don't know, 15 breweries in Wellington, if not if not more. There could be even more. I know there's uh, three of them in our complex and four in Upper Hutt in total. So where we are, which has only got a population of 40,000. So, you know, the, the craft brewing is pretty strong. It's, it is hard. You know, with more breweries coming on, there hasn't been a massive uptake in percentage of, you know, craft beer drunk and staying the same. So it has been divvied up between the uh, the breweries, but, you know, which makes it more exciting is the fact that there's, you know, just more mines and beer creating different beers. Do you think the quality's high overall? Yeah, I, overall it is pretty high. You know, like I think when we do beer awards, you know, like there's a high portion of bronze medals and, you know, like they get judged to a, a certain style um, and there's a whole bunch of beer that is uh, thrown out uh, because it isn't too style per se, but, you know, that doesn't mean it's not a bad beer. So if you if you look at the percentages, you know, the indication is is that, you know, 50% of the beer is, you know, perfect to style, but, you know, there could be 25% of that, which is... Um, you know, a very drinkable beer, enjoyable beer. Anyway, it's just not perfect for style. Um, you obviously sold the business uh, going back, must be about 18 months now or something like that? Yeah, it was uh, July 2016. Was that, 
you know, always part of the plan? Like, would you have ever predicted that that, that was how things were going to play out? No, no, not at all. Um, yeah, so that happened in July 2016. No, we never really, um, you know, thought it would ever come come to that. Um, we, what was it, December? Oh, no, it was, I think it was 2015. We're kind of, when we started in those two years, we just keep escalating where we would just keep spending, 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 um, growing capacity at a, such a, a, a massive rate of knots that we finally got up to about chasing two million litres um, and started thinking about our next step in our in our brewery, which was really quite scary. We were up for uh, anywhere from a 7 to $25 million spend um, to, to, to make a brewery that could produce anywhere from 6 to 10 million litres, which is kind of the justified way of being able to to grow a business from two to four because you know like we've been brewing it from we started off in the first year wanting to brew a hundred thousand litres um right through to now where you know we're up to four million litres um well three and a half but um you know those steps along the way they just they, they, they just keep doubling and you know like if we keep doubling you know we'd, within 12 months we could have spent uh, four million dollars on a brewery um that we'd be at capacity again and then where do we go from there you know then you know, we should have spent the extra seven to make a ten million dollar brewery. Um, from then, it was all—it's all it's a weird incremental way, and it just happened at the time that we got a phone call, um, you know, from a few companies wanting to, to invest with us at the time, and then we, uh, you know, the the exposure to that that level of debt was probably too great for our family. Um, you know, we could have potentially take it on but you know you look at a few other recent um, histories at the time I think Speakeasy just went under um, in Australia that you know they sold shit tons of beer but you know they, they had massive overheads which we could have potentially been in the same same boat so we looked at different ways that we could um, partner up with other people that had sanded out to us in the past of wanting to invest in us um, and there was always an underlying thing of that, that that all they ever wanted was an exit strategy, which wasn't us. We were in beer for, for the long haul. Um, it's our passion. It's what we love. Um, it's why we wake up every morning. Um, and we just happened to get that phone call from Lion um, that shared the same passion as us. They, they've been making beer for hundreds of years, uh, or hundreds of years. And, um, you know, moving forward, they'll still be making beer for hundreds of years. So they shared the same goal as what we wanted to, to achieve and, and what we did and, and changed the this, they were the perfect partner to change the sector of beer um, in, in our country and Australasia as well. So we deemed them to be the, the better, you know, partner and partnering up with um, with to to progress Panhead and good beer across the countries. And you're still here? Yeah, still here. Still, um, still. I was just before we just changing the pagodas around to uh, make sure the people don't get wet. So you know, still having changed from sweeping floors to making beer to you know being the jack of all trades around the place. So nothing's changed. The sale did take some people by surprise, though. It's fair to say, including even um, I think. Well, yeah, but uh, your Australian distributor, who yeah. I think was your uncle, yeah. you were saying. I remember he was a bit shocked about it at the time. Did they they come to terms with it? Yeah, they come to terms with it. Um, it was a decision that was probably brought on more by them to actually pull out of Australia. That we gave them, we wanted to have them keep selling our beer. Um, they just, yeah, for some reason, just um, yeah, decided against uh, against selling it. And they they still do a fantastic job of what they do, you know, in the industry that they're in. Um, so yeah, 
there's no real ill feeling, I believe, that they were, um, they'd done a fantastic job for us. And, you know, they, our core business at the time was in New Zealand. We sold uh, 95% of our beer in New Zealand. Um, so New Zealand made up the biggest portion of, of what we did. Um, so our focus was always to, you know, look after us and sort of grow organically the Australian market um, for us, through them as well. But they, yeah, for whatever reasons been known to them they they wanted to move on from from where we were and yeah change you've obviously relaunched though in australia now um with local production at um malt shovel and yeah. i believe i've spoken to hayden and he's talked about you putting the beer under your nose and saying that's the aroma i'm looking for so you're obviously happy with the beer that's being produced over there yeah, so when we sort of, when the um, sort of, what would you call it, the withdrawal from Australia sort of took place, we started getting a lot of um, emails and disgruntled customers in Australia not being able to, to get our beer again. That was consumers and um, retailers. So um, we sort of wanted to hurry that along and not, because we never really ever set out to upset people when you're, a, you know, the sort of business that we're in, we're, we're trying to create, you know, unique fun times essentially. Um, and you know to have disgruntled people in the um, out there is not a focus at all so um, for us it was about trying to get the beer back over to Australia at the same time we had issues in our own plant because we're even though we've just chucked four million dollars and adding another two million litres of capacity in the place we're at capacity already so there was no more area to to brew our beer and ship it over to to Australia but the good thing is we're being partnered with Lyme um, is that we can emulate our beer in in other areas around the world. They're probably the most technically advanced brewers. You know, the the, the, the brewers for you know for Lion are, are fantastic. What they do, they got so much access to resource um, to emulate um, our beers. We know more about our beers now than we ever did. You know, we use a lot of which still makes up probably seventy five percent of the the um, choices. Uh, um, sensory but um, you know they had a lot of backing behind it to keep the beer as consistent as it possibly can either be brewed here or it be brewed in Australia so you know it was in really good hands um, to move our beer over to Australia and I think we've done three emulations um, to, to get the beer to the to the area that we were we were happy with and there's a lot of things in the Australian beer I actually prefer than our New Zealand beer um, and that can just be a variance in malt you know so, you know, we love what we're drinking over there and here and, you know, I can't really split the difference between them. And the, it's the XPA that you're sort of leading the charge in Australia, but that's, is, that, is that your, um, that's not your flagship here though, is it? It's, the, it's a different beer to the Supercharger. So Supercharger is a, a bigger, bolder sort of pale ale, you know, as you come sitting here, you're looking outside, it's pissing down with rain. Um, the weather and climate can be quite a bit different here in New Zealand um, than it is in Australia where, you know, like nine times out of ten when Kiwis go over there it's always a little bit warmer than it is over here and um, the, general, the, the people in Australia seem to drink a lighter um, style of beer, a little bit more, say, thirst quenching than what, um, what we'd drink over here. So we're, our pale ale, even though it is quite a big and bold, it is still refreshing, but it isn't like a, a lighter style of, of beer. So XPA is is extra pale in its colour, but it, what it makes up for in colour is a lot of um, malt sweetness and a lot of tropical hop flavours from the 
from the mosaic and galaxy and whatnot um, that we put in the beer to, to give the beer a massive amount of fruity characters from the hops. So the beer was designed, obviously I always make the beer designed to what I want to drink. So um, that beer had to be yeah, thirst quenching and have enough character in the beer to keep me, number one beer geek, happy. Is it part of the core range here though? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So we sell our our XPA, our Pilsner, Supercharger, Black Top, they come in our six packs, six pack bottles over here. And I presume you would just call that our core range. Yeah. Um, and Supercharger has topped the um, Gab's Hottest 100 for the last couple of years, hasn't it? Which yeah. is pretty massive coup. Yeah, it's um, yeah, real surprising. It's, it, it, that one's probably means more to us than what uh, Beer Snob sitting at the. Um, you know, the end of a judging table sort of telling us, you know, the technical qualities of our beer, if it is the style or not. You know, all we care about is what the, what the people think, not the uh, not other people within our industry saying, oh, it's got a little, you know, discussing the intricacies of it, it has too much bitterness or not enough bitterness for a style. So, you know, having the people telling us that, you know, what we make and and what we enjoy is, you know, what they perceive as the best beer in the country. Um, there's a very strong like aesthetic to the brand yep. and in the tap room here, all the artwork. Where, do, where does that all come from? What was the inspiration for, for the Panhead oh, brand? It's just me, I suppose, but just the, the environment we're in. Like, um, bogans are very different. Than, New Zealand bogans are very different than what Australian bogans are. You know, like the New Zealand, I'd least say the New Zealand bogan is a little bit more sophisticated than the Australian bogan. So, but we kind of like the same sort of things, you know, like, like I've been with an upper hut, you know, so nine times out of ten the people here are bogans. So, um, we, we're into cars, I've got about four or five of them in myself, you know, um, cars, bikes, the custom lifestyle, you know, the, the artwork and the, 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 the lifestyle that goes with it is just, you know, comes part and parcel with it, you know, and the things that we're into, um, that whole tinkering with cars and playing with cars and, and bikes, it's sort of the same as beer. You know, you take a style of beer um, and we kind of customise it to best suit what we think is what is what is delicious and cool. And it's the same as what we do with a car. We take a standard car and, you know, change it up and do whatever we want um, to, to, to make it look cool. So there's a lot of, there's quite a lot of crossover between what we tinker in our garage to what we do in the brewery. So who, who's responsible for the actual um, artwork, though? So we have our illustrator, Simon Morse. So we give him... Well, we all sit around and basically drink beer and discuss our next beer that we're coming up um, and, you know, design... You know, he, we give him sort of a free freelance to, to draw what he wants to best represent the beer. Cool. And um, tell us about the, this tasting panel that I've got in front of me. There's a pretty interesting array of styles. Yeah, so with our little 600-litre plant, we get to brew whatever the hell we want you know and that can be just literally waking up in the morning uh, and going shit i want to brew a beer like that or you know um just come back from vietnam and probably going to use a lot of their coffee and a beer and a bit of sweet and condensed milk and you know we'll see well how that goes so you know there's, there's that freedom to do whatever we like here um you know we've probably i think we've up to batch 26 now so in the last six months we, we can brew once a week here so every week we're trying to brew something different we've never brewed the same beer twice um so we've got we've, like we've brewed um the new england pale ale um we've probably brewed about three different variants of uh, of it changing up the malt changing up the yeast changing up the um the hops hops in it so this one 
um, that we've got here is basically just using uh, a lot of wheat, um, oats, uh, spout, pilsner malt, um, a little bit of um, dextrin malt, um, and a little bit of uh, lactose in it. Uh, and then we've used uh, Kohatu, Mochueka, and Nelson Sovin in it uh, for the hops. But before we'd used Amarillo's, the Simcoe's, Mosaics, and whatnot. So it is quite uniquely different. It's um, as, as we use still the same amount of oils per hops, but it just seems a little less vibrant than um, what the American ones do. But that has the flip side of it is it has quite a refined um, character and of. Um, uh, from the from the hops, which is kind of it's like not like the big punch in the face like you, you get out of the other American ones that we've made. Um, we've got we've done a collab with uh, Gigantic Brewing in Australia. Uh, that was a Marion Berry sour called Dutch Rudder, um, and he brought over a lot of his beers over to a festival uh, at Brew Day. Uh, so one of them here is the Gigantic Pipe Wrench, which is their pipe wrench aged in gin uh, gin barrels. I think they Ransom Distillery. He brought us over a bottle of their gin, it was fantastic. Um, and then we've got our potato stout, so that was brewed for St. Patrick's Day. Um, so we smoked a whole bunch of uh, agrias in our offset pit smoker, um, added that to the mash, uh, fermented it out with a uh, nice um, Celtic yeast, uh, and served it on nitro, um, and threw to our Scottish ale, typical Scottish ale, sort of around 5.5%. Plenty of malt character um, and sort of not a lot of hop character, so it is kind of a little flip on the style. A lot of um, a lot of malt derived sort of flavours on the beer. Then you do have um, a pilsner in your core range yep. as well. Is that a style of beer that you you enjoy making as well? That it's a really clean sort of beer. Yeah, so New Zealand pilsners are as a take on probably a um, mainly a probably a bohemian style. Or Czech style pilsner, so but we've all turned it up a, a notch. So we use it's a it's a lot more um, cleaner and malt, probably more like a, um, a northern German lager um, in malt character. But then we've turned the hops right up, so plenty of bitterness, nice amount of residual sweetness, and um, dry hop the fuck out of. So it is you know really really is quite hoppy. Um, where we've made other pilsners in the past in the tasting room, and we've got one now. Um, we had a, a black pilsner, a not so black pilsner, um, which is a truckload of hops, more like an IPA sort of terms. But um, you know, we've also made a German pilsner with um, you know more Franconian in style, where it's a lot sort of clean um, and very neutral, um, nice amount of bitterness. But not a lot of hop character in it, which you know sold really, really well here as well. So technically, they are pretty hard beers to brew and really hard to, to balance the flavours up. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's probably a style of beer that no one really talks about here in New Zealand. Um, it's probably the first beer a brewer will grab after a, after a day's work. Um, you know, they want something refreshing, um, a bit of bitterness, but got a, enough hop character to kind of keep them interested as well. And we've seen this week the Brewers Association have introduced the hazy IPA into the style guidelines. Yep. Um, really enjoyed that that example, by the way. Yep. Do you um, think that you know it's a it's a style that's got legs? Are you seeing that it's not just a flash in the pan? I find them totally different than what um, a West Coast style is. 
Um, you know, we always went over there a couple of times in the last couple of years, and they are definitely different than a West Coast style of beer. You know, the West Coast or even upper in New England style, you know, but New England's a little bit maltier, you know, still has the nice hop characters, but they just don't have that sort of juicy, that's the residual sweetness in the beer for me, and the style of yeast that you use creates that sort of beer. You know, that the yeast has got to be quite tropical, um, and throw the esters that complement the uh, the hops. So if you if you didn't have that specific yeast, I think it would be you know quite a hard beer to potentially call its own class. You know uh, because it is estery, it's bordering on sort of Belgian esque without the phenolics in it. So yeah, that, that's probably the one big thing that we found, and just the residual sweet, sweetness in it. You could probably filter. We have filtered some of the beers before. We have used a specific yeast before um, in our beers, and we noticed that we do get a lot of um, those tropical fruit flavours from from the yeast. And when we have managed to filter the yeast out of the beer, it it, it is muted quite heavily. So just like a good Hefeweizen, you know, it does need a, quite a bit of that yeast in the beer just to um, to, to keep those flavours going. Not putting flour or anything like that in the beer. Throw the no, no, no. No, no flour. We just use, um, we use, we still use proper brewing practice to brew the beer. So we still mash it. We still, we still do everything. But we also um, use kettle findings in the beer to drop all the, you know, the big heavy solids out of the beer. So for us, we want it to keep it nice and clean and have that residual clean sweetness and the the estuary fruity yeast with the fruity hops to create the flavours and um, the yeast that we use and that's why I said before when we've been lucky enough to be able to filter the beer through um, that yeast just doesn't want to flocculate so it uh, just stays up in suspension which is which is the plan yeah 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 otherwise we have to go and give the keg a shake <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so tell us about this venue because this, this hasn't been open uh, with a restaurant and everything for, for long, has it? No, we opened this up in December. We've planned to do it for the well, ever since we opened um, to open up a little tasting room on site here. But that tasting room area that we had dedicated turned into an office, then it turned into a, uh, the pack hall, um, and then now our brewery sits where the intended tasting room was so it's been in the pipe works for, for so long but just never eventuated we always had to spend our money in upgrading um the ta- upgrading the brewery opposed to you know having a, a retail spot on site so we we're always focused on just getting um the beer out to the to the people but now since um we've had a little little breath of um of being able to you know catch our breath again we got into it and we've um now been able to, to open it up so we opened this up in December and it was always the idea was just to have a spot for people to walk in. They can come and um, taste the beer, sit down, enjoy a pint and if they want, grab a grab something to eat. Our liquor laws are really funny here. You can't sit down and have a beer and leave unless you had some chips or some food. So, And you have to have three substantial meals on the menu. So automatically our laws basically state you have to have a pub. So essentially that's what we've created. Um, even though it is sort of still limited, it is a cool little social spot to come down and enjoy all the beers um, and have a little bite to eat. We partnered up with uh, Grill Meats Beer in Wellington, which uh, make fantastic um, beer food. Um, and us as brewers, we don't really know much about food apart from eating a lot of it. Um, so, you know, they were the perfect marriage to, to team up with to, for them to look after our food for us. 
Obviously, um, the, as we said, the, the XPA is, is um, you know, lines open the floodgates and that's fairly widely available in Australia now. Probably the question everyone wants to know is um, what, what, are we, what access are we going to have to some of the more interesting, experimental um, and, you know, the cans and all that kind of stuff? Is, is there plans to really expand the range? Yeah, with everything, everything takes a little bit of time. We're trying to push as hard as we can to get it all to get it all underway, but we just try, we'll, we basically need to sort out our New Zealand's uh, capacity um, over here to, to be able to, to to do it and start replicating. They've got their fantastic uh, facility, Malt Shovel, um, the brewery over there. That I think they can make a lot of beer. It could make a lot of good beer. So um, we want to tap into that as much as we can. Um, and brew the beer for us it's always about trying to brew the best beer closest to the source as well so it, with us it takes about from from brew day it takes about well let's say from pack day it takes about three weeks for it to land in australia where the goal are for us is to have it once it's in the pack to be sold within that three weeks um in australia so you're just getting the best freshest beer possible um with the styles of beer that we make you know with hops you know, as soon as they leave the brewery, you know, they, they, they start decreasing in, in freshness. So we want the freshest beer, um, obviously, in Australia to best replicate the style. And the only way to do it is to, to, to brew it closer to the source. When those larger format cans with the, with the artwork on them arrive in Australia, they were quite strikingly different to anything else that was available at the time. Is that, are they still around? Yeah, they're still around. We um, still brew them very, very limitedly. Um, we probably, I noticed we've got two in the tank at the moment and um, I know we don't have any in stock so they're probably probably two, three weeks away um, from being available. Um, so yeah, we probably brew once a month. You know, we don't push it out there a lot, you know, it's just we just make it when we can, essentially. Um, but yeah, we would like to, to make a little bit more but obviously again, um, capacity is a, always an ongoing struggle here. So as soon as we can get some more capacity, we'll probably get into it. The beers that we're tasting today, though, um, are only available on tap here at the at the tap room. Yeah, only available on tap at the tasting room and or up at our bar in Auckland. And we do have some kegs put aside for um, good beer week in Melbourne with a couple of events that we're running over there. So you will be able to get it over there. Cool, mate. We might we might leave it at that. But um, thanks for the chat. Yeah, no worries. Appreciate you being on Radio Bruce News. Yeah, thank you. If you enjoy Radio Brews News and Beer is a Conversation, please rate us and leave a review on your favourite podcasting app, like iTunes. We look forward to joining you next time for another conversation about beer.